In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 382nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons finally beat Tom Brady. They won 30-17 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday. It's quarterback Desmond Ritter threw for 224 yards and two touchdowns to lead the way over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Falcons finished the season at 7-10, and 10, and the Buccaneers will go into the playoffs at 8-9. and nine. It was the first time in 21 years that Tom Brady has finished the regular season in the NFL with a losing record. So Tampa Bay, they came out and looked sharp, went right down the field and scored. The Falcons had answers today. Uh, they uh, battled back. It was 17-10. Brady left in the second quarter, 17-10 at halftime. And then the Falcons uh, took over with some fine play from Tyler Algier and wide receiver Drake London, who caught six passes for 120 yards, uh, set the team record for most catches uh, in the season with 72, uh, beat Kyle Pitts' mark, who uh, had 68 last year as a rookie. And Tyler Algier broke a old 43-year-old record, William Andrews ran for 1,023 yards as a rookie in 15 games back in 1979. And Tyler Algier, a fifth-round pick out of BYU, finished the season with 1,035 rushing yards. Came on strong down the stretch to help power the Falcons' running game. All right, let's get into some... um, the sound here from the, the day, from our time in the locker room after the game. So Falcons are headed into an offseason here with a lot of money, finally, for the new regime. They'll be sitting on $70 million they could spend in free agency. They'll have to take care of some things in their own locker room first. Uh, and then um, get ready for the draft. So let's wrap up the game here from today with uh, Coach Arthur Smith on the performance of the offense against Tampa Bay. We were glad that they, they played some of their uh, top guys to go out there and compete. We figured they'd bring a lot of pressure, which they did. And, uh, you know, so it was good back and forth. You know, some things that we uh, weren't really clean on that we, we fixed. And uh, credit to our players and our staff. But, and yeah, we put uh, the offense did string some drives together, some other things we can certainly, as always, you can look to improve. But, it was good to see. It was good to, to finish here, uh, D-Lev, with a win. All right, Desmond Ritter had four starts. He went two and two. We wanted to know from Coach on Desmond's performance, uh, despite not playing all of their guys. You know, Tampa Bay did pull some of their spot starters, so that will affect some of the evaluation. And here's what Coach Arthur Smith had to say about Desmond Ritter's game against the Bucks. Starters who were in um, for you know almost two quarters, and then you know how he did in the second half against their reserves. You know how hard it is to make 
make a roster in the National Football League. He went down there. If you want to talk about their starters, they put that long drive together. I thought he operated. You know, we tried to come out. We didn't. We didn't start uh, the way we wanted. That's a. You know, they had a say in that as well. And uh, you know, tried to get aggressive, start the second drive, and uh, we were able to string some plays together, get down there, and thankfully able to get a touchdown. Uh, only got three. You know, got aggressive off the turnover, off the sudden change, took a shot at it, uh, and then made sure we at least came away with points, which I thought was important. And uh, had the one turnover, you know, on a, on a uh, little quick issue there that on a, on a protection thing, and uh, I thought we overcame a lot. So there's a lot of things. Mike, red zone, third down, fourth down, and I think we've seen that the last four weeks. Um, there's a lot, lot to learn from, and uh, pretty pleased. You know, we got a long way to go before we make any decisions in the offseason, but there's a lot you can, you can learn from this, Mike. You know, there'll be time to reflect. We have an end-of-season um, meeting with Coach Smith and Fontenot on um, Wednesday, and we'll also, you know, kind of set up how, uh, you know, we want to um, work uh, over the offseason with regards to, you know, what's next for them. You know, we'll get into the Senior Bowl, the, the new league year, free agency, all that good stuff. We'll have time for that. But here we wanted to get his takeaways on the seven and ten season, his second seven and ten season uh, after the game. I thought this group of guys, you know, it's tomorrow will be sad, you know, knowing that this uh, this team, this team's given us everything. The way they've come in day in day out, and that started in the spring. The habits they they brought every day, and you talk about foundation and culture, and and what it means to be a Falcon. And we talk about our ethos and these guys, and um, and obviously. You know, we'd love to still be playing, but we're not. But there's a lot of good things that happened. Uh, we wanted to finish the season strong. It's important to win every time you go out there. And our guys did that the last two weeks, and there was a lot of, a lot of bright spots to finish the season. And our, our good friend Steve Hummer was with us today, and he one of his questions was, hey, how does this, uh, you know, season, the 7-10 season, a little bit different than last season, 7-10 season. So Arthur Smith – Gave us an answer on the differences between this season and last. I mean, last year, you talked about the first year of transition. I talked about it earlier in the week. Some of the obstacles that, that as we tried to set the foundation, some things we were limited with. We had a little more of a veteran team. We had some guys that had been here a long time. We had some rookies that were playing for the first time. And we had some guys that were first year that are no longer with us. That's out of necessity where we were to fill out a roster. Those guys gave us everything they have. It was a little bit different team, but we had a little more veteran presence when you got into close games. This year, to add to the rookie class from a year ago, we had another group. Got some guys that, you know, I think, you know, weren't necessarily at the end of their careers that are on some one-year deals that I've been pretty pleased with, and we'll continue to evaluate that. And uh, you could feel a little more of a foundation and an identity, uh, especially up front. The offensive line, I thought, week in and week out, they rose to the occasion. They were knocking people off the ball. We wanted to run it. We could. Uh, there's a physicality and a brand. And, uh, you know, the next challenge is to make sure we become more explosive offensively. We need more pass rush. I get all that. But every game was a, other than one up in Cincinnati. For the other 16 was a dogfight, and these guys embraced it. So there's a big difference. And, and as I, I recall, you know, one of the things is uh, last year they just had, you know, veterans in here like Deron Harmon just because, you know, that's where the state of the roster was in their view. They ran off a lot of guys that could still play. They're still playing at other teams. Uh, but they weren't their guys and culture stuff and all that kind of stuff. So, but you know now they got a couple rookies classes in there. Uh, some of the players they're developing, like London and Algier, 
you know, they're ready to move on forward. He thinks you can see some more of the foundation this year and more of the identity with the, which they would like to play. It starts with the running game. Well, Desmond Ritter, like I said, he went 2-2 two and two in his starts. We wanted to know how he felt if he got better today. Yeah, um, 100%. Um, you know, early on, um, you know, we didn't get started as fast as we wanted to. Um, and then, you know, the run game kind of helped us settle in, settle down. Um, and, and then, you know, we got going. Um, but like I say, you know, I like to be 1% better every single day, um, whether that's going out there to practice or, you know, coming in for meetings. Um, but, you know, it's 1% better every single day and every single week. And this was the first time where you kind of saw some blending of the run and the pass for the Falcons. You know, they've been leaning heavily on the run game all season. So we wanted to ask Desmond on how they were, you know, what it felt like blending the run and the pass today. Oh, I felt like it was pretty good. Um, you know, like I said before, you know, most offenses in the league, in high school, little league, whatever it is, um, they want to start with the run game. They want to dominate the run game, and that's going to set up the pass game. Um, so like we said, you know, we have a dominant, you know, offensive line up front and a great run attack um, by CP, Avery, and, and Tyler. Um, it helps set up those, those pass plays a lot easier. You know, this was an audition, and, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Mariota left the team after he got demoted, and, uh, you know, it's pretty clear he, he left the team and didn't come back and, and, you know, didn't hang around, didn't try to help Desmond out. So, you know, they'll sign a veteran quarterback in the offseason. But uh, we want to know from Desmond if he think he showed enough to win the starting job next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's not my call. Um, I'm going to go out there and play, you know, my game and do what I do. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care about stats. I don't care about, you know, what it looks like. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to win. Um, and so that's who I am as a person is want to be a winner, want to be a competitor. Um, and so, you know, like I said, that's not my call, but I just want to win. All right, Drake London. Uh, I broke his numbers down um, during the week. And uh, he had 18 catches over the first four games. 11 over the next four, 12 over the next four. And then coming into this game, uh, he had uh, uh, 25. So his six catches today puts him uh, at 31. 31 catches over the last five games. And uh, with the rookie wall and all that, that's uh, called finishing the season strong. So we uh, discussed with Drake on the offense against Tampa Bay. We just stuck to the plan and executed all everything that we needed to do, you know. Um, and the score was to come out of the game from from good offense and good defense. And then I just outlaid, you know, outlined the production there for him. So we wanted to know on his progression over these last four games of the season. Just playing football and playing it to your highest level if possible. Not playing down to no opponents. Um, not trying to overdo stuff, but um, just playing how, how they drafted me to play. All right, before we go to break here, we're going to go over some of the game notes. Uh, again, you know, final score 30-17. Fifth consecutive losing season. That's not in the game notes, but I'm giving you that one from the game story. A fifth consecutive losing season for the Falcons. Haven't been over 500 since 2017. Um, that'll be their challenge next year. But the win also gave the Falcons a sixth home win this season, which, you know, it's been, um, you know, you want to have your fans excited. So, um, you know, that's pretty, pretty good to have the uh, sixth win mark at home. Uh, the most wins in the season in the, in the uh, new stadium here. 
the best before was a five in 2017, and that was a playoff team. So the Falcons' offense had 382 total yards, 174 rushing. Another note, this is from Chris Lindstrom, uh, right guard, pro bowler. He said he think that, now I have to go double check it, but they rush for at least 100 yards in every game except the Rams game. So we'll fact check uh, Lindstrom on that. But that's he, he gave us that in the locker room today. A couple more game notes before we go to break here. Uh, the Falcons offense rushed for 2,718 yards, marking the second most rushing yards in a single season in franchise history going back to 2006. The 174 rushing yards, the Falcons, uh, with the 174 rushing yards, the Falcons rushed for more than 100 yards yeah, 50, in 15 consecutive games for the third time in franchise history and the first time since 2005. The Falcons offense converted three of three on fourth downs today, tied for the second most fourth down conversions in a single game in franchise history. And the captains today were Grady, Jared, Youngway Cool, Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, Cordero Patterson, and A.J. Terrell, who had that. Uh, he keeps tackling like that. They're going to move him to linebacker. That's all I got to say. We're going to go to break right now. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. A celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. We're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, episode 382, and we're going to bring in our senior producer, Daniel Solerson, to help us with the mailbag today. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing? Thanks for coming by. Of course, D-Led. Happy to come on, as always. You can follow D-Led on Twitter, at AJC. And of course, D-Led, everyone already thinking about the draft with the season coming to an end. So our one question today from at SpyParent. Do you go best player available if you're drafting 8 through 10? Or do you draft a wide receiver and a running back? Or I guess or a running back in this situation. But what would you do with the first draft pick as of now? Uh, I'm going, uh, I've always said this, I'm always going the biggest, baddest guy. And that's usually the best player available. Um, you do need a wide receiver. You may need a running back with if, if Corderell Patterson, you know, he's getting up there in age, and you, you want to have a committee. But I don't think I'm taking a um, a running back or a or a running back or wide receiver that high this year. 
think the focus is going to be fixing the uh, defensive line and getting some pass rush, you know, either up the middle or around the edges. You know, we'll see. Uh, it's way, way early for the draft, okay, because you got to remember the order. Okay, Senior Bowl free agency is in March, okay, and then the draft is in April. So if they don't get anybody in free agency, then they'll move to the draft. So, um, you know, the draft is way, way down the road. We don't even really need to talk about it much right now. Uh, but um, we are trying to finalize the position. We think they're going to be between eight and nine, you know, when all the games get settled tonight. But, yeah, the draft is, you know, we're about free agency first. We should probably be studying who's going to come on the market. And, um, you know, you got to be safe. You got to be careful in free agency because if the players was any good, you know, the team would have kept them. Uh, but sometimes good players do get, you know, go elsewhere because the money is so much better. All we have to do is look to last year when Fourier Ulakan uh, went to Jacksonville. We saw him playing a good game yesterday for them and helping them get to the playoffs. So Devondre Campbell was a good linebacker here. You couldn't afford to pay him. He went elsewhere and turned into a pro bowler. You know, Arizona, then uh, Green Bay. So there'll be some people out there to sign, and the Falcons will have to spend their money wisely. So that's where we're at, Daniel, with the uh, draft and uh, wide receiver and running back. I think you need some help on that defensive line, uh, and you need a cornerback. Will be uh, two higher priorities than wide receiver and running back. I agree. I was thinking edge rusher would be the biggest priority, but like you mentioned, anything on the D line will probably help as well appreciate everyone for submitting their questions all season long um definitely enjoyed reading them and and really learned a lot from d answering them so d I'll, I'll send it back to you to, to finish out the podcast well all right daniel thanks uh thanks uh for uh the question thanks for coming on this year it's been fun doing the mailbag after the games and we'll switch into our once a week mode uh in the off season here uh wednesdays you get the bowtie chronicles uh, on Wednesdays during the off season, and you know any special occasions, we'll certainly jump on and try to address your questions. If we have any big signings, or you know if Dean Pease retires, we'll try to effort that, or you know whatever the breaking news is, we'll make sure we bring it to you on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. So hey, Tyler Algier, you know had a heck of a season, fifth round pick. And, you know, it was told to me that, hey, the Falcons had him rated as the second running back behind Kenny Walker for because they rated him on yards after contact. And he had the second most yards after contact, which means he's a tough runner, and that's what we saw this season. He didn't have the blaze in 40, which is why he went to in the fifth round. But as you see, you, it's not, you got football speed and you got track speed, and he has enough. He has enough football speed to go, and that's no question about it. So let's hear from Tyler Algier on crediting his blockers for getting him them 1,000 yards. You know, you got a lot of big guys that they – that's a trench work right there. I think uh, not only them, but the receivers blocking, trying to block DNs and all that stuff. Like, it, it doesn't go unnoticed, and I'm appreciate it. Well, you know, um, the Falcons, you know, it's hard. The coaches, you know, you got rookies, you got to depend on them. And what you want to see is that is that they get better over the course of the season. And we saw that with Tyler Algier. 
We saw that with Drake London, and we saw that with Desmond Ritter when he played. You know, the first game was probably his worst game. The fourth game was probably his best. So that's progress. So we wanted to hear from Tyler on how the offensive rookies played this season. We all just put our foot in the ground, you know, especially when we came in the rookie minicamp and all that. I think all of us just had our minds right, you know, not only on the offensive side, but the defensive side as well. And um, really just trying, to, just trying to make a mark, make a name for ourselves and kind of just uh, do what we do, just like gain the trust. I think still got to go into that into the next season and then, um, yeah, just really just gain trust and then just progress. All right, one of the rock-solid guys for the Falcons, and they knew it when they got it here, uh, draft pick by the old regime, right guard Chris Lindstrom, and we discussed with him on finishing the season strong. You just look as a team, I think we were assignment sound in a lot of things, uh, being able to establish the run uh, and sustain that success. I think outside of the, I think it was the Rams game, we were able to run for over 100 yards in every single game. Um, obviously, Tyler had an incredible season in finishing up that, and finishing really strong. Um, and then just, you know, Des, Des did a great job in trying to protect him in the communication and stuff like that. So um, I think there's a lot of things to, to build on going forward. Also, with Chris, we wanted to know if the season was any different than last year. You know, you got the two seven and tens, but uh, like Coach said, there's a different feel to it, and and you know that's what Chris uh, kind of told us too. So let's hear from Chris on how this season was different than last, even though it was two seven and ten marks. Yeah, I think we have a ton of pride in our group, um, understanding of what the staff wants from us and understand what the style of play that we're going to bring and sustain uh, week after week. And, um, and I think that was the biggest part, was being able to sustain success in the run game, um, bring confidence to our not only ourselves but uh, to the team about, you know, no matter what our, the front is, no matter what you know, looks are presented, you know, we're going to give a fighting chance with, with the way we come off the ball. So. Um, that part, I think what Coach said of the foundation is really exciting. And then, again, you have running backs um, and, and Des. Yeah, yeah, and really, it takes all 11 to run the football, too. So it's like that true identity of you have receivers being selfless. You have you know Keith and uh, Parker at fullback doing an awesome job. And it's, it's truly a system um, that everybody is, is you know, fine-tuning and really assignment sound on. All right, and finally from Isaiah Oliver. Uh, we wanted to know on um, what it was like getting back on the field after, you know, what happened last Monday night in Cincinnati with DeMar Hamlin and his recovery. A lot of people wore their love for DeMar shirts today. They had a slight uh, a tribute. And here's what Isaiah had to say about getting back on the field after DeMar Hamlin's situation uh, where he had to be resuscitated on the field in Cincinnati last week. No, it meant a lot. Um, obviously, everything that was going on, um, praying for DeMar Hamlin still. Um, but just being able to get back on the field, play a football game, I thought it meant a lot to a lot of the guys um, and a lot of guys' families and everything. So it was good definitely to be back out there. All right, we're going to go over some of the game notes. Uh, over the player notes here, we touched on Ritter already. You got Algier. Uh, and uh, you got, um, you know, Drake London. So, um just one note, one, one last note on Algier. He's the sixth rookie selected in the fifth round or later to rush for 1,000 yards in the past 20 seasons. So it would have been nice if they gave us a list of the other guys, but we can look it up. I think Alfred Morris was one. 
the Redskins with Shanahan a while back. Now, uh, Corderell Patterson had 18 yards on five carries, one touchdown. It was his eighth of the season and 22nd of his career. Uh, Patterson had single-season highs in uh, rushing yards, 695, and eight rushing touchdowns. Avery Williams had returned 18 punts this season for a career-high 292 yards, 16.2 average. It passed the average of Darren Gordon, 14.1 in 2001, uh, for the franchise record for highest yards per punt return in a season, minimum 15 attempts. All right, Drake London had the 6 for 120. It's his first career 100-yard game. And then we told you about him surpassing Kyle Pitts' 68 catches. He had 72, most by a rookie in franchise history. Okay, Alameda Zacchaeus uh, had four catches for 37 and one touchdown. McCole Pruitt had three catches for 34 yards and one touchdown. Jake Matthews, um, for the second, he tied uh, Todd McClure for the second longest streak of games started in team history with 144. Only Matt Ryan started at more consecutive games in team history with 147. All right, Richie Grant led the team with seven tackles, uh, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. Uh, we're more on to the defensive stats right now, defensive player notes. Uh, Rashawn Evans had a 5-5 five, five tackles, three solos. He had a career-high 159 tackles. Now, he's a free agent. They gave him a vet. He had a low uh, one-year deal, make-good deal, and uh, he made good on it. So, we'll see uh, what his market is like and if the Falcons are able to keep him on board. He also had a career-high in eight double-digit tackle games this season, including six coming in consecutive weeks. All right, on the special teams, Young Wei Koo made three of three of his field goals, the 20th career game with at least three made field goals for 10 points. And the punter, Bradley Pinion, had a good day today, placing the ball, great hang time, punted three times for 154 yards, 51.3 gross, 47.3 net, including a long of 53 yards and one punt down inside of the 20-yard line. So with that, we're going to put a bow around this 2022-23 season for the Atlanta Falcons. They're 7-10, and 10, drafting in the top 10 for the third consecutive year. It's going to be a busy offseason, but you're starting to see some of the um, light at the end of this rebuilding tunnel. Now, um, what we do know coming out of this season, okay, you may or may not have your quarterback. I think they're going to try to keep developing him. And uh, you got a receiver, Drake London. You got a running game. You got a rushing attack and a young running back. And um, you may have to – you know, the, the way they pounded, guys got hurt. You know, Caleb Huntley's out. You know, uh, uh, Cordell Patterson uh, got hurt, missed some time. Uh, so, you know, that you got to keep running backs. You got to keep that running back position locked and loaded. You get Kyle Pitts back on the offensive side of the ball. Then you got to figure out what to do with Caleb McGarry, who had a great year run blocking. 
You know, they didn't do too much five and seven step drop stuff. But, um, you know, do you bring him? You, you probably want to bring him back now. So uh, even though you didn't give him his fifth-year option. So now it's going to cost you some, it may cost you way more money than the fifth-year option was. So we'll, those are the issues on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, they didn't answer much this year. The defense is in the bottom half of the league and everything. See, Richie Grant can play uh, safety. You know, he had a, uh, had a, uh, uh, the forced fumble there, but then they had a missed open tackle. So, uh, see, uh, A.J. Terrell's a keeper at corner. Uh, they looked at Isaiah Oliver as safety. You know, he's a free agent, too. He'll be, uh, there'll be a market for him. And then you got Jalen Hawkins and um, Richie back there. So, a cornerback, you know, Darren Hall wasn't an answer when uh, Casey Hayward went down and he ended the season, uh, you know, working with the scout team. So, he was a fourth-round pick. Uh, every, all the draft picks didn't work out. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, Jalen Mayfield was a uh, third-round pick. Doesn't look like he's going to work out uh, based on the fact that he never got on the field at all this year after starting all those games last year. You know, maybe that the year off would do, do him well. But, yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, there's going to, you know, Rashawn Evans did good. Uh, Troy Anderson, they think he's going to be a player. Uh, outside, you know, Lorenzo Carter's a free agent. You got to figure out what to do there. Uh, Eva Katie did pretty good as a rookie. And uh, Audie's an edge setter for you. Uh, you're going to need some beef next to Grady. They keep trying to get that right. You know, Marlon Davidson, Tyquan Graham, um, they had a lot of people in there. I saw Jaleel Johnson making a play today. But they need uh, a kind of Johnson Babino type player to go, or like a Vita Vea type nose guard to, you know, play next to Grady and keep people off the linebackers. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the tension is going to be on the on defensive side of the ball this offseason is, uh, you know, you can't play with a defense that's in, ranked in the low 20s and everything. So they got to do something good. You got to stop the run first, and then, uh, then you can get after the passer. So with that, we're going to finish off this season. That was our summation of uh, – you know what they gotta do and where they're at with the roster, and we'll be looking at that. Uh, we're gonna probably, you know, we got a, kind of a you know slow week this week, and then next week we're gonna do our position by position review of the season. So we'll, um, you know, have that for you on AJC.com. So with that, uh, enjoy the national championship uh, playoff game tonight against the uh, Bulldogs and the uh, Horn Frogs out of SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. And we'll see if the uh, Bulldogs can go back-to-back in the national championship game. So with that, take care and have a great rest of your week. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. 
So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you.